Welcome to the Wake Up Call podcast. I'm your host, Alicia Hopkins. By day I work in corporate, but I have an obsession with all things personal development. So I became a life coach and started this podcast as a way to help others break free from living a life that's good on the outside and wake up to the one they actually want. When I got to my most uncertain place, all I wanted was someone to say, hey Alicia, you're a little off course and this is what you need to do. That's what I wanna be for you. This podcast is a place where I want to share my experiences and provide you with community, knowledge, and inspiration to make change in your life. Sometimes we get a little lost and need help course correcting. If this sounds like you, you're in the right place. Let this be your wake up call. Now let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the Wake Up Call podcast. And I am wondering, those of you out there listening, Do you consider yourself a high achiever? Maybe you've been described as ambitious or a go-getter. You're oozing with confidence. You know, people think you can do anything. So you've probably accomplished a lot in your life and it kind of becomes this measure of success. And if you're anything like me, there have been times that it almost reassures you that you're doing this thing called life okay. You know, whether it's that good job, the nice house, family, friends, whatever. These achievements serve as the reminder that you're doing well in your life. But what I want to unpack today is what if those external achievements are actually misleading you, fooling you into thinking that you are sure of yourself and what you're capable of, but maybe inside you're not quite so certain. What happens when the only validation is that which you can give yourself? And do things like perfectionism, comparison, and rigid ways of thinking stand in the way of your own self-worth? Well, my guest today, Sheila Ann Murray, helps ambitious women confidently step into their next level selves and thrive in their mind, body, and soul. I'm very excited to chat with her today and unpack this notion of moving away from external validation and stepping into a place of knowing your own worth, your value, and confidence with or without validation or an external cue telling you that you're doing things okay. So Sheila, thank you so much for being here today. Can you tell me a little bit more about your relationship or, you know, your story, how you relate to this notion of kind of the external validation, telling you're okay, but really it's that self-worth that was, was lacking. How do you relate to that? Thank you so, so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. And I absolutely relate to that. That has been the majority of my life and the, the, battle that has happened within me as I've had um, my inner flame wanting to come out and then the external factors that were kind of helping me to play small. So uh, my story with this begins back in childhood, just thinking about who I was then. Like if we think about how we were, how we moved through the world, how we expressed ourselves as children, Often it's something that's pretty whimsical, that is pretty um, unstructured, that is very uh, free, expressive, and not doing it because somebody is telling us we're doing a good job, right? So I didn't keep performing endless, endless shows because my parents said that I I needed to, but I did, right? I, I had these shows, I had these dances, I had, I was a singer, I was a painter, I was... I thought I was going to become a, um, a dog trainer. 
and a celebrity. Like it was just all of the things, all of the dreams. I had this wild, beautiful um, dream of everything that I could be. And I was fueled by my own imagination and my belief in myself. And I just want to, you know, take a moment too and see if anybody else, you know, think about this. Like what, what do you relate to in this? And think about when you were a child, how did you move through the world? And like, what did you feel in your heart? Because reflecting on that is, is typically a good indicator of what still could potentially live within, right? It's just that it, it's been quieted, quieted down. And we put ourselves in a box, in a rigid box. And so I, I definitely relate to that piece around the understanding of self-worth versus fitting into the external validation because my wild, beautiful life that I was creating became the stressful do-it-right life. And I desperately wanted to be liked and I desperately wanted to do well. And especially as women were told to do school in a certain way, to do life in a certain way, to fit in, to stand out and to, to hit the middle, not, not be too bossy, not be too emotional. And that's so much of what I felt as I started growing up. And I, I lost that sense that I was explaining in my childhood of just this free spiritedness. And I wanted to do everything right. I definitely developed the perfectionist tendencies that you were speaking to just kept myself in, in a pretty high, high stress place as well. It's interesting when you were saying fueled by belief in self, you know, as you were sharing some of your story. And it's interesting as I think about, I look, I reflect a lot on the progression of my career and the things I've done in my life. And it's funny is that, you know, somewhere along the way, and this would have been earlier on, right. You start moving into the things that you've mentioned, like conforming, you know, doing what you're supposed to do, what's modeled for us, perfectionism, people-pleasing starts coming into the picture, especially as women. And it's funny, it's that like, as more of these external pressures start coming in, and I should say from my experience, it's almost like some of that started getting diminished a little bit. But what's confusing about it is you are getting the reassurance from good grades or making money or getting the promotion. So it's ironic that you can be getting these external cues that are like, yeah, you're doing it right. But all the while it's for many of us out there, not, we don't even realize that our self-worth is getting chipped away because we're giving away ourselves to be more like mm -hmm. what is being cued for us to be. And, and right. And I can say in, in my life, like I've I think we're all searching to know like, what's the right way to do it. So, I mean, yeah. it's not like my life has been bad, but there's been a lot, I've been a willing participant because to me, I'm just sort of following the current, right? Of like, this is what you're supposed to do. So it's interesting when you start picking away some of those, the external validation and you start really examining inward. I'm curious, how do you, whether in your own experience or the women you you work with, how do you get people to start strengthening or like connecting to who they are and their worth and the things that light them up? Beautiful. Yeah. I want to acknowledge something that you just touched on briefly, which is that our external validation then becomes our identity. And so this is why it's so hard to untether ourselves from the external validation because it becomes part of who we see ourselves to be. So even as someone who confidently moves through the office and is very 
good at their job and is a go-to for other people, that's confidence. That seems like strong self-worth. But when it's only tied to that job, what happens if we were to just kind of erase that job from their life? And I know that that sounds scary and people are feeling, are probably feeling a lot of resistance if you're listening to this and you're someone who's crushing it in your career. But what happens when we strip away the parts of your identity? And that means everything from perfectionist to leader. You can't have diminish one without the other. If we were to take away all of these things that you think of yourself as what's left. And again, it can sound scary at first, but that's the whole point, right? Is to feel a little bit uncomfortable so you can go back and and reflect on the whole person that you are and the value that you bring without those other things. So I wanted to touch on that because I think that what you just mentioned there was really profound. And one of my favorite, I'll share one of my favorite activities with you that helps with taking a different perspective on self-worth. And that is, I'll have um, the women that I work with identify somebody in their life that they deeply care about or look up to, right? So like maybe it's somebody that they're close with, maybe it's somebody that they just admire. And then bring about some of the qualities like, okay, well, great. So that's your person. What are the qualities that they have? And you write the qualities. Typically it's like, they make me feel calm or, um, they always have a a different sort of perspective on things or, um, they're, they're resilient or they're imaginative or they care deeply about their community. Great. You have that list. Now let's look at that list again and think about how does that list match up against external validation or again, some of the things that you judge yourself based on. So when you're thinking about your own accomplishments, typically you want to be, be good at, again, like be successful in your job, have this kind of net worth, um, be in this kind of relationship, have this sort of looking life, but we've already identified things that you see in others have nothing to do with that. They have nothing to do with how much money that person is making. You're not like guided by that person because they're making that much money or because um, they do things perfectly. So much of what we admire in others is their imperfections. And I think that sometimes it takes looking at another person and then really allowing yourself to have that care, right? I have my hands on my heart right now because allowing yourself to feel that care for someone else in your heart and then identify that same sort of care about yourself. What are the qualities that you possess that make up your self-worth? Because the reality is that our self-worth stays the same. We are just as worthy now on a bad day as we are on a good day, but our ability to see that self-worth and to feel that self-worth is what wavers. So if we can keep going back to that same self-worth and practicing that, we're able to reconnect to it more, more quickly on the bad days. I love that exercise. And what came to mind to me, as you said, it is almost that we evaluate others with a different sort of standard or lens than we evaluate ourselves. So how do you help women to maybe not be so hard on themselves or not be so critical, you know, because I think I think there's a lot of words that get thrown out in the personal development world. And I feel like sometimes self-worth is another one too, when really, you know, and sometimes I even say, I'm like self-worth, like, yeah, I I love myself, but like, it's deeper than that. Right. So 
how do you help women to even really wrap their head around self-worth? How do you help them maybe not be so critical toward themselves and, and start shifting into this notion of like possibility for them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Self-worth is different from self-love because it is that kind of un- unwavering knowing of I am enough. I am enough. I am more than enough. And being able to acknowledge that no matter what changes. Part of what comes into play here is that if you are to have, let's say I work with high achievers and perfectionists and people, women that are really adventurous and the motivation of increasing your self-worth is that if you increase your self-worth, you're more likely to try new things because you're not afraid that it's going to tear you down. It's proven that people who have more self-compassion and self-worth does um, have a link to self-compassion as well, then you're more likely to um, try and and get back up again. You're more likely to do better um, at work because you're not only hinging uh, your performance or or you're not hinging your behavior and, and how you feel about yourself on your performance, right? You believe that you're more than your sales calls or your outbounds or um, the conversation that you have with your manager. And so with helping others to build up that self-worth, so much of it is breaking down the beliefs that you have taken on and started embodying that aren't your beliefs. That is so freaking good. I just, I think about, you know, so much of my career has been based in sales where, right. You get a lot more no's than you get yeses. And it's funny is that in the beginning, I sort of, I don't know, I hardened myself a little bit, but I can say along the way in my job in sales, I've definitely taken some things personally. I've had lots of conversations with my husband. He's like, man, a a job shouldn't make you this upset. And it's right. I care so big, you know, and I'm like, but I don't want them mad at me. And it's this, I I hear what you're saying about like what you mentioned earlier identity, because it's like, just in that sentence, when I say, I don't want them to be mad at me. Well, it's not me. It's the job I'm performing. This is a part of me, but I think it gets a little sticky when some of us out there are big feelers, or we are so used to everything going well, that this, we don't demonstrate the self-compassion to kind of navigate, whether it's rejection or the, you know, criticism. And I really see what you're saying now, as far as like, even throughout that, that unwavering self-worth is the, I am enough. Like, despite whatever role I'm showing up in my life, it's not me. It's not Alicia. It's not Mm -hmm. Sheila. It's not whomever. It's Mm -hmm. quite different. Yes, absolutely. And acknowledging that if you're in a place of being stuck, it doesn't make you any less worthy than the the days or the times in your life when everything was going well. Oh, now let's talk about that because I think <laughs> a lot of people relate to stuck. And as someone who has been stuck yeah. many times in my mm-hmm. life, those places are when I have never doubted, right? I can come into this having clearly made it through the world's I'm a upstanding citizen in this world. Right. But then when I enter these periods of stuckness, it's like anything that was ever of worth or value or capability, it goes out the window. And all of a sudden, all I'm met with a lot of times internally is I can come up with all the reasons why it can't be me to make a career change or go for that big job. How do you handle stuck? I think it's very palpable for a lot of people. Yeah. And this is something that I often see and something that I saw in myself three, four years ago. 
Um, I was in a place where I was not happy with my job and I wasn't happy with my lifestyle because I, I lived in a, in a city and, and I wasn't, I would rather be spending my time on the weekends out hiking or somewhere more rural or spending time with people that I deeply cared about. But I was feeding into this lifestyle of like meeting up at bars with people or going to concerts and staying out late and just feeling tired all the time. And I was much more excited about my morning, like wake up and work out than I was about my career trajectory. I felt totally stuck there. And I saw different pathways for myself, but it felt terrifying to make the leap because I was so attached to my identity, security, and my external validation because I was doing well at my job. And other people saw my job as like a dream job or saw me as someone who had their, their stuff together. I was attached to that identity because I wanted to be that person. I'd always wanted to be that person who was the go-to and who people would look at me and be like, okay, she's got this. And that felt so good that I abandoned myself in the process. So my self-worth was the same then, but I was not living in alignment. I wasn't living in alignment with my values, with my commitment to myself. I wasn't living in alignment with with what I was supposed to be doing, which was following my heart, right? And challenging yourself and getting outside of your comfort zone in a way that feels good, a little bit scary for you. So that stuckness, it happens to to everyone and it can feel like it won't end, right? It feels like when you have the flu or something and you're like, oh my God, I can't remember what it feels like to be better. I, can't, I don't know if I'll ever get healthy again because I, I feel so bad. I'm laying on the floor. Um, I have this fever, whatever it might be. And when we're stuck, it feels that same way. And so one of the best things that you can do in that situation too is start pulling yourself a little bit more onto your path of alignment, whether that just means doing one good thing for yourself doing one thing that brings you that feeling that you want to um, encourage more of in your life. I love that. And it makes me think, you know, Sheila and I went to the same coach training program and it was whole person centered coaching is basically the background of it. And I think so often when we are stuck, we forget about the other entities that make up ourselves. And we're stuck on that identity that I keep saying job because I think many of us, yeah. can, right? Like we, <laughs> career we, driven people. I got yes. you. <laughs> yeah. And it can be many other things. It can be being a parent, you know, but for the sake of this conversation, the job, it's like, so when you're in that stuckness place, it's like all of your focus and energy is on stuck and it's, we forget all these other pieces of us. And it makes me think when you said starting to step into those things, those other, you know, whether it's a heartfelt place or other things that make up Sheila, that make up Alicia, like what can we do to sort of acknowledge the pain that comes from feeling stuck? Like you said, like taking a step in the direction of something that makes you feel good. Can you go outside? Can you draw? Can you color? Like whatever those things are that make you feel good. I think we get consumed by that icky feeling of stuck and it feels impossible to get out of it, but really just taking like the next best step in the direction of feeling good, it seems to helps get you out of the stuckness. Moving yourself forward and gaining momentum, how, however, will feel good for you. And to, to give like an, an example, I don't know why this came up for me, but to give an example of something that's not career related as well, um, just thinking about 
some years that I spent, it's like when you're starting to date someone or see someone and you just are like obsessed with, they're not answering my text or like maybe it went this way or maybe they're thinking this or maybe, and you get that icky feeling where you're like, whoa, now I, I suddenly became someone who is so happy in their life. And now I'm concerned with what that person is thinking. And this happens in friendships too. Oh, she just said this that way. Like, did she mean it like that? Like, and then your whole world, you're losing, suddenly losing sleep over uh, this paralyzing thought of someone being mad at you or something not going well. And you lose sight of other things that are happening um, in your life and of other outlets that you might have. And so you're exactly right. Getting your momentum going by uh, drawing, doing something creative, stepping into something that makes you feel like you, spending time alone, building community with like-minded people or with people that kind of get you to stretch a little bit further outside of your comfort zone. In the beginning of the podcast, talking about who you were as a child. And then we talk about, we sort of move away from this as we, you know, conditioning, societal norms, things like that. You've shared, you know, connecting to those things that light you up, but someone who I'm thinking about someone out there who might say, I don't even know who I am anymore. Right. Are there other things that you would recommend to help connect to themselves again? You know, I know we talked about the difference of like self-worth and identity, but like, what if someone really is questioning like all of it and they're just flat mm. out, Sheila, I feel like I don't even know who I am anymore. Yeah, that's powerful. Something that I would recommend doing, and this would be a, a test and, and see if this works, but going back and identifying key or peak moments in your life where you did feel like you. And it can be small, right? One time I was hiking and I was at the top of a mountain and I felt connected to myself. One time I was around a dinner table with strangers at a hostel that I'd never met before. And I, I felt connected to myself. What are those peak moments? And I challenge you to sit with that because in the beginning, your conditioning is going to tell you that there haven't been any there have. And if you haven't noticed it, it's because you haven't had the time to sit with it because part of our conditioning is to wave off uh, intuitive hits and feelings that we have in our heart space. But there's more information going from our body to our brain than our brain to our body. And so we have to tune in. And so taking some time to sit with that and think about those peak moments and then identifying what part of your character, what, what parts were coming out then? Who were you being? And I'd start there because typically what I'll do with clients is we'll jump into a values assessment and we'll identify the five key values in their life that they want to use as a compass moving forward. But that can feel intimidating if you've never done work like that before, if you don't feel like you know yourself at the moment. So just starting there with memories, just going back through memories, making it fun. If you're doing it by yourself, rather than having a guide, like light some candles, get comfy, like really just turn on some music that makes you feel good and just allow yourself to kind of daydream a bit. I love that. And I mean, not that people can see me. I'm like violently shaking my head when she said, think about the moments. <laughs> I'm like, that is so good because I think as humans, we need evidence that we can do something. So I'm thinking of someone journaling and reflecting on that. And I think there's power in pen to paper and writing it out, like you're processing it on a deeper level too. But 
if you could even just list these times in your life that you felt the most like you at those moments, you start seeing the evidence build and it's like, okay, it is in me, right? It might be a little buried under some layers, but you know, Alicia's in there somewhere and like, let's, let's bring her back. And I think that we often, because we are so distracted and we want to know right now, like Sheila, what do we do right this second to, to be better? Right. It's like, we want that instant, but I think it's really just like this path to nurturing yourself again. And really, I think I just really find so much value in the journaling piece of it too, is that there's just a lot of power in there of of being able to see tangibly, visibly evidence of you doing things that made you feel good. You know, it's, it gives you a frame of reference to know that you've done it before you can do it again, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that evidence, because we look to collect evidence to prove what we can do in the future. And if that evidence doesn't exist for the next thing that we're trying to achieve, we think it's impossible. And because we're mostly outside in learners, as we've been kind of conditioned through school, having that written piece, the process of it, the thinking about it is beautiful. But then when you're not in that headspace, you can return to that notebook and be like, there's my evidence. At least I think that that's something that other people who are like achievers or who have always been, you know, striving in in school or their career, you want that piece of paper that's just a reminder of who you are. I love that too, how you just phrased it, the outside in learners, that's how we learn. And it makes me think like that much more how we're so reliant on the external. And I don't know if you're someone out there that this conversation is resonating with you. I just really encourage you to try to find moments. I say, get still, just get quiet, even for five minutes. I think just even building the muscle to get quiet. You know, Sheila mentioned that we miss these kind of like intuitive hits or guidance along the way. And I think that sometimes just building that muscle of even getting comfortable, like I don't like to be still like, this has been like a learned skill for me, right? I'd much Mm -hmm. rather when there's something I want to avoid, pick up my phone and scroll social media. But when instead, if I trade it for maybe five minutes that I sit outside and just get real present with what, like straight up notice if a car drove by or feel the wind, or I think it's just baby steps of practicing anything that helps you look in, you know, because we are so externally, you know, motivated, conditioned. And I think really getting into that, like strong sense of self and your self-worth, you've got to start building that pathway in. Absolutely. And that is a true act of self-love to take yourself away from your phone and sit outside. Like that is real self-love. It's not necessarily like giving yourself a facial or even making yourself an amazing dinner. That's great. But self-love is also taking that time to sit with yourself, to be with yourself, to allow yourself to be, because just like you said, as an achieving personality, you'll be more driven, especially let's say that you start doing self-work and you're like, great, show me the next thing. Show me the next thing. I'm going to do the next thing. I'm going to check the box. So much of self-work is the slowing down. It's the slowing down to speed up because you are ready and deserving of sustainable results, of aligned results, not of the results that you've been trying to achieve over the past five years. We're looking for something new, something different. And that means a different approach. 
I love it. And I appreciate because, you know, I consider myself a consumer and or a student of personal development, self-work. I myself can find some, some of these terms that get thrown out there and, and I'll be the first to admit sometimes self-worth was a sticky one for me. I, I thought I had it, didn't really know what it was. And then I'm like, <laughs> why there. don't I, you know, and it's, I think that sometimes we can get lost in the word. And, and I think you've done a really good job of just giving us tangible insights and how we can discern for ourselves the difference between, you know, self-worth or our identity and, and start moving away from that external validation and really getting quiet and still, you know, to connect to ourselves. Is there anything that we haven't touched on today that you feel like is important for listeners to take home with them today? One of the things that just came up for me was around, as we've been talking about career and as we've been talking about the stillness, just thinking about, and you and I both being trained in this whole person approach, our life aspects don't exist in a vacuum. So all this talking about external validation and self-worth, even if you're working on your changing your career, like we've been talking about much of the beliefs that you have started to embody that we then need to de-armor and pull away They exist in other areas of your life. And so starting to be mindful of where those beliefs and that external validation is serving you and where it's hurting you and acknowledging that you need to eliminate it completely from all of the aspects of your life. Um, And so I forgot exactly what it was that you said around your job, but that belief that was coming up for you, you don't want to fail someone talking about how I didn't want someone to be mad at me or, you know, disappoint someone or, you know, do a bad job. Yeah. Yes. That piece is likely showing up in other aspects of your life, whether it seems obvious or not. And so even just taking one of those beliefs or those things that you, you hear yourself saying, you're like, oh, that's interesting. That's interesting that I just said that because I've seen that come up in other aspects for a while. For me, it was, um, it's my fault. It's my fault. And taking on the, the fault, taking on the burden and saying, that's interesting. Where else has that shown up in my life? Where else am I taking on the burden? Because once you start to do that and be an observer, because right, we already identified self-worth doesn't change. So now we can just step into the seat of curiosity and just acknowledge where else it might be showing up. That's a much more empowered approach to breaking down the attachment to external validation and starting to reattach ourselves to ourselves, our aligned self. That is so freaking good because I think about that. I have conversations with, you know, many friends, acquaintances that talk about almost this role they step into at work and then they disconnect and there's somebody, you know, there's somebody else on their time. And it's kind of like what you're saying. I love that of like nothing happens in a vacuum or it shows up in other areas of your life. And as soon as you said like that example, when I definitely deal with a lot of, I don't want to disappoint others. And it's a hundred percent not isolated to my job. It shows up Mm -hmm. across the board. So I really thank you for sharing that because I bet there are many listeners out there who are going to, just by you saying that, be more aware and notice that it's a common theme that's showing up, not just in one entity, but across the board of their life. And it gives them opportunity to, to get curious around it and, and move mm-hmm. towards you know healing or resolve around it. So Sheila, you have been an amazing guest. I really appreciate the insights you've shared today. If someone wants to learn more about you, your coaching programs, wants to connect with you on your social, what's the best way to find you? Absolutely. Uh, You can find me at SheilaAnn.com. And that's Sheila ending with an A and then starting with an A. So there's two A's next to each other and with an E. 
SheilaAnn.com. And then also on Instagram at she flows and grows. I love it. And we'll have all of your contact information in the show notes. So thank you again for being here. I know you have certainly given me some nuggets to think about. And I really hope that everyone tuning in here today, if you're someone who identifies and, you know, see the areas of your life where you're seeking that external achievement, but you're wanting to really have that inner knowing and trust of yourself. I think that through some of the examples Sheila shared today and some of the ideas, you know, some, some work you can do on your own. I really hope that this helps you move towards knowing your self-worth is unwavering. You are enough. And if this episode resonated with you, do me a favor, screenshot the episode, tag Sheila and me on Instagram. We'd love to know that this, this episode spoke to you. So guys, thank you so much for joining me today. I can't wait to connect with you on a future episode. Bye guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Wake Up Call podcast. If you liked what you heard today, I would love for you to subscribe and leave a review. It takes just a few minutes and does wonders for helping other people find the podcast. If you want to connect outside of the podcast, you can do so by following at Alicia D. Hopkins on Instagram. And if you really liked the episode you just listened to, do me a favor. Would you screenshot the episode and tag me? I would love to see what's resonating with you. Thank you for joining me today, and I hope today's episode helped you to see that you can wake up to the change that's possible in your life. 